suppose when uh, when uh, the angel talked, John said that the angel sounded like it uh, like it thundered. It's going to write it down. So. Uh, uh, so here we are, Sunday morning, dark and gloomy as they come. That's okay. There are those who are only happy when it rains. Me, not so much. But that's okay. Well, Jesus, we thank you for uh, uh, meeting with us in this place. God, we we thank you in advance for everything that you're going to do today, and we we come to you uh, acknowledging our need for you. God, we we need something from you. We need those things that come from you that only you could do. And so today, what we have come for is that uh, that daily bread. God, that resource of you. God, that you promised us. And God, uh, today I just pray for every heart to have that sense of expectation of receiving from you. God, I lose faith in this place. God, and bind up every doubt and unbelief. God, we pray that your presence would do as only it can in this place. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So we've been talking about the Holy Ghost. And a uh, great subject, as, as every subject about God is. You know, one of those interesting things, you know, because, you know, we, we talk about Jesus, we talk about the Holy Ghost, you know, of course it's all the same, it's all God. And, uh, you know, I was telling somebody a while back, it's like, you know, it's my kids, I'm dad, and, and uh, you know, to Cynthia, I'm her husband, and, to, you know, Mike, I'm his friend, you know, but uh, but I'm all still me. And, and so they all they all think of me in different ways, and I do different things in that relationship. So, you know, the Holy Ghost is a great thing. And of course, you know, Jesus said the to go and baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And of course, the disciples always baptized in the name of Jesus because that is the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Um, go road with me to 1 Kings 18. Uh, you know, when you talk about the things that God does, when you talk about the Holy Ghost, um, it's an interesting thing because uh, there's a lot of things he does there uh, under that hat, I, I guess you could say. You know, because, of course, uh, Wednesday night we talked about how he came to reprove the world of sin. And, and, uh, and of course, he's the spirit of of truth would lead us and guide us into truth. He's also a fire, one of my personal favorites. And uh, you know, this week I was talking to this guy Jeremy that uh, that works for me, and um, he was uh, had had this really unpleasant conversation with his wife on the phone, and uh, uh, right after we'd started working for the day and. You know, he was handling it well, but uh, I could tell he was discouraged, and, and uh, we got to talking about it, and I, I kind of picked up on this was kind of a, a normal occurrence in his life. And, um, uh, I just found myself telling him about how God can fix your stuff, because God doesn't want to just be at a distance. He wants to get on board, and he wants to deal with your issues. You know, his his wife is the children's pastor at this big Methodist church in Lawrence, and, and he does a lot of uh, volunteer work there with the children and stuff. And uh, so I thought, okay, Methodist, huh? 
And and so I was telling him, I was like, you know, a lot of a lot of Christianity sees God as aloof and distant and you know, living in his marble palace in the in the cosmos somewhere and he hopes that someday you might get there. Like, but you know, if you deal with God on that basis of that kind of distance, if you believe that you have that kind of distance from Him, it's like having your your parents in the old folks' home, and you go and see Him once in a while. If, if you only deal with God when you go to church, and and He's kind of not really included in the rest of your life, then coming to church has the sense of, well, you know, I, I went and saw. Went and saw Jesus today. You know, we hung out for a little while, and you know, after a while, I decided it was time to go home. And uh, uh, and you know, of course, I feel better about myself because I did because I went and saw him and everything. It's like, and you know, that's that's not what God wanted at all. That's not what He ever intended. And that's not who He is. It's like He said that the tabernacle of God is with men, and so He wants to live, literally, live in you. And, and be a part of of your life. Be, you know, he wants to be that that extra member of your family. And uh, it's like, and the great thing then about having God on board like that is then He can deal with your stuff, and He can He can deal with your issues. And uh, and so, uh, you know, I I picked up from him that his, his wife had a has kind of a deal with anger going. And you know, we talked about trying to deal with issues, and she would just kind of get more angry and just kind of push him away until he would just let it go, and then she would act like nothing ever happened. And and that seemed okay with him because then they weren't fighting anymore. I said, yeah, but but then the issue never gets resolved, and that's what anger does: is it intimidates you and pushes you away. And it's like you're not gonna make me fix this. You're not gonna confront me about this this thing that I'm doing. And uh, um, I'm thinking, man, I'm, uh, I'm paying this guy, and I'm like preaching at him at the same time. It's like it's kind of strange. Shouldn't he be paying me? <laughs> it's like we're gonna take you off the clock right now, Jeremy. But, no, um, but you know, it, it's funny because I was just I was trying to be really cautious, thinking, man, I don't, I don't really want to tell this guy what to do with his life and stuff. And uh, but um, you know, I've it's not my first rodeo. I've been around the bush ways, and and I thought, you know, you, you gotta, you, you need to be able to deal with these things. And uh, so I talked to him a little bit about how, you know, when you have God on board, then He can get in there with you and deal with the stuff. Because I started talking to him about my own experiences. You know, Cynthia and I got married. And we were just children, and uh, this child bride that I whisked away from the the waste that is Centerville. <laughs> she, you know, she looked up and saw this knight in shining armor. She didn't realize I was actually a goofball in aluminum foil. But so, so she she bought me under false pretenses. But uh, she seems to be more or less happy with me anyway. So, well, I mean, I, I guess I still do everything that a good husband would do. It just maybe a little cheaper, but. Anyway, um, so we, we got married, and and uh, you know we never had an argument when we were dating. I you know, never had a had a really a frustrating moment to speak of, and and then we got married, and then we lived in the same house. We slept in the same bed, and all of a sudden it was like, 
you drive me crazy, you know. And 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 of course, you know, she was on some very personality-altering um, birth control, and and so I blame the pills. But there was, uh, well, I mean, we we went through a lot of difficulty there, and uh, over you know over the years. And worked us through our stuff, and and we we learned how to deal with issues and talk about stuff, and and uh, not just leave it lie, just like what I was talking about with this guy. And uh, you know, by the time I was in my mid twenties, if you asked me if I had a problem with anger, I would have told you, well, I used to, but you know, God fixed it. And then I had kids, and you can't reason with a baby; you just can't. They cry and they cry, and you can't just tell them to stop and they'll stop. You can't just, you know, you you can't take a break, turn it off, and go do something else. You, you and uh, the amount of pressure that that puts on you, um, if, you know, especially the first go around, uh, really can be quite interesting. And it's not all bad, of course. It's it's a uh, it's like the greatest thing ever. It's it's I don't know. It's both wonderful and terrifying at the same time, kind of like marriage. But um, just kidding. Um, so then my kids got older, and uh, um, and I found out that I still had a lot of stuff to deal with. And I mean, I I was that guy that I hated. I was that guy that like stomped around the house and yelled at the kids and thumped around on them like more than just spanking them, and and even doing that way more than was necessary, way too soon than it was warranted, and uh, I mean really abusive is the best word I could come up with for it, and and God kept confronting me about it and dealing with me about it, and man did I hate myself, and and. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure none of this comes any surprise to you. You were all here, but um, you know, God just kept confronting me about the stuff in front of everybody. In fact, I mean, He confronted me in private, but I remember uh, coming up here once and Ron calling me a big ball of turmoil and telling me that I should come live with him for a while and see how how a uh, house should operate. And that was really painful and and difficult to accept. Uh, in front of everyone, especially. But uh, so desperate was I uh, to have God fix the stuff because that's what I was after. That like, you can call me anything you want. You can say anything you want to me. I don't care who's listening. I, I need I need this thing fixed. And so so I just you know I accepted it. I said okay. I'd, I'm good with that. So I found him after church. I was like, "So, what time do you want me to show up? I got to go get my bags." But uh, uh, he's like, "No." no. He's like, "No, you you heard what I had to say. You don't you don't need to come stay in my house." He's like, you know, God's God's got this under control. And uh, so it was just this constant up and down kind of struggle. And uh, um. I remember this this uh, this day that uh, we were out shopping. Kids were driving me crazy. I was feeling really aggravated that day, and um, and I lost my temper with one of the kids. And I had no intention of doing anything like actually violent to them, 
but I don't remember which, I think maybe it was Levi, but I were in the store and I turned to him. I was like, if you don't stop, I'm going to take you to the car and I'm going to beat you. And that's what I said word for word. And that's not what I was meaning. I didn't mean I was going to take him out of the car and beat him half to death. I was just going to whoop his butt. But but anybody could see that I had a problem because the lady working in the next aisle at the store heard me. And she started following us around the store. And I saw her having these whispered conversations with other people that worked at the store and pointing. And I was freaked out, to say the least. But God is so wise because he knows how to get you to this place where it's like this really seriously has to change. And and one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. And so that's what we were working on. We were working on, yes, you fly off the handle awfully fast, but you can control it. You, you, you have to learn how. And I can help you do that, but you have to be willing to work with me on this and be and seriously get this under control. And so, um, and you know, that, and that's what God did. You know, God just He kept confronting me about the stuff, and I just kept accepting it because I mean, you know, how are you supposed to deny it? You know, when you know when God tells you something, you can't exactly say, "Well, no, uh." You know, I mean, you kind of have to just take him for what he said because he's going to tell you the truth, and he sees what's in. He knows you better than you know you. And, and as I said, I I despised myself more than you could imagine. And uh, I mean, and that's I mean that's a very abridged version of of this story. I mean, God sent so many people to me to to confront me or and or at the same time to live a, a proper example in front of me. And um, you know, but. Over time, you know, God just He did what He does, and 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 He and He fixed it. And so I'm telling Jeremy this story, and he's just listening along. We're working, and he was like, "Wow," he's like, "I I would have never guessed you seem so calm." I was like, "That's my point. That's what I'm telling you." <laughs> you know, it's like you know, it's like that's what I'm trying to say, man. That's what God does. He he gets in there and he fixes the stuff. That is what I'm saying. Like I was this way and now I'm this way. It's like, you know, and I didn't tell him, but I'm thinking you're not getting that at your church. Clearly. You know, it's like So that's that's what God does, you know. In in Hebrews 12, he says that our God is a consuming fire. Both wonderful and terrifying. But but wonderful because that that fire is not meant to consume you. It's meant to consume you. You know, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's not gonna. It's not gonna burn up the. You can't catch a spirit on fire with with this fire. You know, he's not. He's not gonna burn anything out of you, of that incorruptible seed inside of you. He's not gonna destroy it. It's not gonna get burned up. You know, the the Hebrew children came out of the fire. They didn't even smell like it. The only thing that got burned off was the was the chains, was the ropes, the stuff that bound them. And so that's what the fire of God does. So in First Kings 18, and you guys all know this story, but I was thinking about this this week, and you know, we were talking about the Holy Ghost, and I thought, to me, you know, we, we talked about the Holy Ghost. This is what I think of. You know, I mean, 
like I said, there's there's lots of things. You know, there's the reproving of sin, and there's the the teaching of the Word of God, and there's there's certainly the 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 gifts that you can see, you know, tongues and prophecy and so forth. Like, but to me, this is this is what I think of when I think of the whole, what the Holy Ghost does in our life. And so, so Israel has really drifted way out into uh, the middle of nowhere. And and when you when you get away from that anchoring in Christ, then uh, you you get out into this weird place where where they were at, and and uh, and instead of letting God make you after His image, you begin to make God after your image, and begin to think, well, I would like to do this, and so I I think God would be good with that, and uh, and I can tell you I've lived that way, and uh, and it's it's not not profitable. And, and it's not true. It's not real God. It's, it's idolatry then because then you've made God into something other than what he is and it's not God. But he is uh, Elijah here is confronting them. And it's funny because in verse 17, you know, Ahab finds him and he's like, are you he that troubles Israel? <laughs> and it's like, uh, no, you are. Because you're the one that's leading them off in this terrible direction. And I mean, Ahab is synonymous with really bad king, and uh, so um, so then Elijah tells him, "Okay, we'll gather everybody up, gather all all your prophets and all your priests of Baal and everything, and let's uh, let, let's see who who's the real God here." So in verse 20, he says, So Ahab sent unto the children of Israel and gathered all the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and he said, How long halt you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. You know, they were so unsure. Like, what would you even say then? Because it's like, I, you know... When you when you start mixing other things into what Christianity is, then it becomes this a very, uh, especially over time, it becomes very difficult to separate out what's truth and what's not. And and so uh, again, you need the Holy Ghost to to teach you that those things that are true. So he says that the people answered him not a word. And then Elijah said to the people, I even I only remain a prophet of the Lord. Baal's prophets are 450 men. And, you know, we, we here we are, we've grown up in this uh, democracy where majority rules, sort of, doesn't anymore, it used to. And, uh, you know, that's that's how you, that's the idea of a vote. It's like, which which thing got the most votes? And and so, when it's, uh, so our, uh, we're conditioned to think of, well, this many people couldn't be wrong. Like oh, but they could, and uh, you know, and, and that's an interesting shift in your thinking to come to that the majority is not always right. Uh, but once you kind of come to that place, then it becomes easier and easier to see. And uh, because as you as you look through the Old Testament and even the New Testament, really, you you always you see that the majority was never really on the right side. And so, because you know, flesh is like the ocean, and it's just restless, 
and uh, and unstable. And so uh, humanity just sort of drifts into whatever seems convenient. That's what water does. And so to to go against the grain, as it were, to, to paddle upstream then is not not really where the majority of, of the people go. But but that's that's what God is calling us to. So so Elijah says, I even I only remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are four hundred and fifty men. Let them therefore give us two bullets. Let them choose one for themselves and cut it in pieces, lay it on the wood and put no fire under it. And I will dress the other bullock, and I will lay it on wood and put no fire under it. And call ye on the name of your gods and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answers by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, it's well spoken. So I like that. The God that answers by fire. And, uh, you know, I, I like how this bullock is just rather central to the story here, but they don't really do much of anything. They just sort of... Well, they got slaughtered for one thing, and then they ended up on the altar. And so, uh, much like us, we, uh, just like Isaac, we follow our father up on the mountain, trusting, and starts tying your hands, and it's like, okay, this seems a little weird. Like I, like you know, I thought I thought you liked me. I used to, I used to tease uh, Bobby and Rachel and Daniel and told them, you know, it's like whenever things get tight, you know, we always eat the youngest first. <laughs> Daniel always kind of looked at me like, uh. but as you can see, he's still here. But uh, so, you know, so here we are. Then we have this these these bullocks. We've done everything for the sacrifice, but the fire. So, so there's there's no fire, and uh, and it, it's up to the real God then to to bring the fire. So Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, "Choose you one bullock for yourself, dress it first, for you are many. Call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under it." And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it. Excuse me. And they called on the name of Baal from morning until even until noon, saying, "Oh Baal, hear us." But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar that was made. So there's lots of noise and lots of activity going on here. And and uh, it's been hours. Uh, you know, I like how uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, uh, you know, when you pray, don't don't act like the heathen because they think they'll be heard for their much speaking. And so, if, if you know, if your God didn't answer by fire, like, the first couple of times you asked him, you know, does it do, is it really going to do any good to jump up and down and shout and keep repeating yourself for hours on end? Probably not. And, and man, I enjoy this so much. What Elijah says, this is this had to have been like a really fun kind of therapeutic moment for him, really, you know, because no one was really on his side. And and uh, says so it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them. Said, cry, cry loud, cry with a great voice. For he is a god. Either he's talking, or he's pursuing, or he's in a journey. 
or peradventure he sleepeth and he must be waked. I mean, how great is that? You know, it's like, oh, well, maybe you're just, you know, it's not doing it right. You know, maybe you just need to be louder, you know, you know, you know because they're already making an awful lot of noise. And, that, and of course, they're getting desperate because nobody likes to have to be berated in front of people, especially when their their cool thing that they were hoping would work didn't work. And, and they cried aloud and they cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets until the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass that when midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded. So all day then, and they were uh, they were cutting themselves, they were jumping up and down, shouting, all kinds of stuff, and, and it, it availed them nothing. Uh, keep your finger there. I'm going to jump over to something that I... Made a little note in Psalms uh, 141. I would quote it, but I don't remember it at the moment. Yep. And 141, he says, Lord, I cry unto thee, make haste unto me. Give ear to my voice when I cry unto thee. And let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. So here we are at this in in first kings at this this time of the offering of the evening sacrifice and uh uh and so the, you know the psalm is talking about about that that uh, sense of entering into fellowship with God as being that that offering of that incense and that that offering up the evening sacrifice uh and and indeed uh for your flesh that that Giving up that evening time is indeed uh, a, a sacrifice, and uh, you know uh, I, I prayed and asked God when would be the best time for me to pray because typically at the end of the night after the kids are in bed I'm exhausted and I just kind of pass out, and you know in the morning it's like raising the dead. It's like how you know it's like how is this going to work you know and. And you know, I, I want to spend this time. You know, I want to I want to give you the a good portion of my time, not not the raggedy tail end of stuff. Uh, but I also know that, well, you know, it's like uh, it's like I would I'd want to go and pray, but like my heart would just yearn upon my family, and it's like I'd really like to spend some time with them, you know. And then, and of course, you know, Cynthia would give me those puppy dog eyes, like why you want to leave me, you know, and. Uh, um, so, and then of course, you know, the children will come and find you and, uh, because, you know, wherever you are there, they may be also. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, but it's like, and, and you're never, never upset to see them, you know, I mean, perhaps it's like, well, I was going to pray, but okay. But, you know, I mean, isn't that how God feels, you know, when you show up to talk to him? Like, oh, I'm so glad you're here. Yeah. Like, you know, and you have something fairly unimportant to talk about, and he's just happy that you're talking to him about it. And uh, so it's a precious thing. But, you know, the, you know, God led me into getting up early in the mornings, and, uh, and that, that works good for me. I like, I like morning. Morning's a good time for me. I'm not a night owl, as any of you who know me well 
can attest to. Cynthia always said that my, my car turned into a pumpkin at midnight. <laughs> and, uh, and everything fell apart. And so And it's, it's true. But that was always because we were somewhere away from home at midnight, and I wanted to go home. So, and, and Mike will tell you that if I don't get enough sleep, I get cranky. And so that's why he works in the office more. <laughs> and then Jeremy has to put up with my crankiness, and because he doesn't know me as well, I have to be more polite to him. And so round and round we go. It's all working good for everybody funny how we, we feel like we can let down uh, some of our self-control and our decorum when we deal with people that are closer to us. You know, it's like, well, I could be rude to, to her because, you know, she's in the family, but this, you know, I better be nice to brother so-and-so. And it's funny how that happens. But, um, but it's an interesting thing because if you won't control yourself with your own family, with the people that are closest to you, which is what I learned, then, then you really have no control. So... Because the people that are closer to you, you know, you, you, you have the same kind of experiences, I think, as you do with people that are maybe not so close to you, but they're more uh, intense. You know, you, you have more lower experiences and you have higher high experiences with them. And so, uh, but there's this elasticity when you, when you love somebody that uh, um, those things all work out well. Anyway. Um, so yes, I get cranky when I'm tired, but I I, I get up early and uh, and that works good for me. But here he's talking about this this evening sacrifice, you know, and so so this uh, you know I mean and this is such a different culture, but you know to come home at the end of the day, you've been out in the fields or or whatever, and uh, uh, you know there's no no uh, no TV to turn on. There's you know, no, no smartphone to pull out of your pocket and suck up your evening. Nobody's calling you. You don't have 50 emails you got to deal with. None of that stuff. And so they, you have this, this evening sacrifice then. And, and this, this time where, uh, where you can spend with the Lord. <clears throat> so it says that when midday was passed, I prophesied till the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded. And Elijah came, said to all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. So the altar was, was not even in, in order yet. And so he he built it up. And, that, and that's what that's what prayer does. That's what that, that, that time that you spend alone with the Lord, that's what it does. It builds up this altar and it gets it in in good shape. And, you know, God talked about building an altar that you didn't use any tools on it, that you made it of, of whole stones. Because if, he said if you lift up your tool on it, you've polluted it. And so it's not it's not about what you do. It's not about working towards anything because God's not after that for you to come visit with him. You know, Keith Green had this very controversial line in this song where where he's, you know, the song is supposed to be God talking to you. And he says, if you can't come to me every day, then don't bother coming at all. And and it's always kind of makes me cinch up a little bit when he says that because I get what he's saying. You know, it's like if you, you know, if you're not, you know, you, you know God knows when you have things that he has given you to do that really 
takes up a lot of your time. But uh, you can't be partway in and partway out. You know, um, I remember watching, uh, uh, was that movie, uh, Fireproof, where he tells his buddy that, uh, that's been talking to him about the Lord that he's that he's all in, and he's like, now, now you you you're gonna be all in, right? Because you can't be half in, half out. You got to be all in. <laughs> and and he's like, yeah, I'm all in. And and uh, so, uh, you know, uh, it's like it's like that other movie that those guys made where she the the lady gives her the coffee and it's like lukewarm. And she's like, ooh, you drink your coffee like this? And she's like, no, mine's nice and hot. <laughs> like, ain't nobody drinking cold coffee. And and so, you know, God doesn't really like his coffee cold either. And so, he likes to have that time with you where where you, you come. And, and, uh, and I'm not saying that uh, you should, you know, be jumping up and down in your prayer closet and, and having to shout in time right off the bat. But... Um, but to make up your mind, it's like you know, I'm. This is where I'm going. I have access to him, and this is what I'm going to do. And uh, it's a great thing. And uh, God knows how to get you from here to there. You know, sometimes like, well, you know, I had this dream once. It was really interesting. It was years ago. I had this dream that there was this young man that used to come here years ago. And and he plays bass, and he is surpassingly amazing at it. And uh, in this dream, he was here at the church, and he was playing bass in the song service. And I was listening, and I was just thinking, man, I would have never even thought to play something like that. And he's just so good, I just, I don't even really want to play now. I just, I just kind of want to forget it. And so I talked to Ron about this dream, and he's like, well, see, that's the thing that, that, we that happens with uh, the way we look at the ministry. We we look at what the ministry does and we think I could never do that, and and so we just kind of throw our hands up. But it's not about the doing thing. It's God gets you there, and and uh, I mean I look at the things that God's done in my life and I just scratch my head, <laughs> like how did I get here, you know and. Uh, and, and I always think it's funny how God picks somebody to do something because it's Him that does it, so it seems like anybody can do it. You know, it's like what difference does it make who who's doing it? You know, but and yet God picks somebody to do it, and then and then it does somehow make a difference. I don't know. It's it's, it's kind of a funny thing. But uh, so Elijah repairs this altar then that was broken down because of course. Uh, Following after Baal, nobody in Israel was really seeking after the Lord. Nobody was at the at the altar of evening sacrifice. And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, whom the word of the Lord, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, "Israel shall be thy name." And with those stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order, and he cut the bullock in pieces. Because if you think your your flesh will come through this experience all in one piece, then think again. And laid him on the wood and said, fill, fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, do it the second time. And he said, and they did it the second time. And he said, do it the third time. And they did it the third time. 
And the water ran round about the altar and filled the trench with water. And of course, you know, we all know three times four. Of course, you know, this this revelation of God, that's what God that's what he's doing here, because this whole confrontation is about who's really God, who's the real God? The God that answers by fire. And so Elijah's uh, has this you know, because he could have just said pour twelve barrels of water on it. But but he specifically told them to do four barrels, the 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 revelation of God, three times, because that's who God is. So he does this thing and he's like telling them this is who God is. You're getting ready to see it. The other thing I really like about this, on maybe a more prosaic note, is that this thing is now soaked. Completely, utterly wet. And um you know, firemen use water when they put a fire out. So, you know, water kind of keeps things from burning. It's kind of the idea here. So this thing is soaked as it can be. And he's got a moat around this thing just filled with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, and Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that Thou art God in Israel, and that I am Thy servant, and that I have done all these things at Thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that Thou art the Lord God, and that Thou hast turned their heart back again. I like how calmly he does that. He just asked him one time. And... I'm not, not saying that if you don't get your answer right away, don't ask. You could ask him again. Of course, you should keep asking him again. But I like this. He just comes up one time after the prophets of Baal have been shouting and jumping up and down and cutting themselves all day with with no answer. And then Elijah comes in and he just says, "God, I just want them to know that you are the real God." And the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. That is hot. That's, that's fire. That, that's a consuming fire that left nothing. And it doesn't get much better than that. You know, I mean, last year it was a million degrees out. and um, Mike and I had this great idea to start a fire. Like, hey, let's burn some some old dead uh, brush and stuff, you know? Bec- you know, and, and that what we do in the summertime? It's like, hey, it's Fourth of July, it's a thousand degrees. Let, let's you know roast some flesh over a fire, because I'm not hot enough. I want to stand over this blazing hot fire. <laughs> so I mean, I don't know. I mean, last year at the Fourth of July, I I did indeed. Kind of created a flamethrower with my grill because I'm a dummy. But but I can tell you that fire does indeed work because uh, I had I, uh, like most of my eyebrow was gone and my my uh, sideburns was like I just kind of flaked them off and uh, I mean my hair was all like lopsided and. Uh, you know, should have seen Cynthia putting the burn cream on me. You know, she's just like, oh, no panic. You know, and that that was just from this instant, just a, that's all it was of fire. You know, and so, you know, but God is this consuming fire. You know, we we burned this pile of brush. I mean, we gathered stuff 
from all over that property. And, I mean, we, we didn't even hardly make a dent in it, honestly. But we had quite the mound of stuff to burn. And we actually, you know, there was trees all overhanging where we were uh, making this burn pile. I mean, the flames were, like, starting to, like, curl the leaves up there because it was getting hot and it was getting tall. You know, you come back the next day and there's some charred sticks and some ashes. You know, because that is what fire does. And and it was all dead, useless stuff. No, nothing that you needed. Nothing that you were going to miss. And it was just gone. And so with this sacrifice, he gets rid of the wood. He gets rid of, I mean, he burned up the stones. I mean, that is hot. You know, yesterday, Jeremy had a little magnifying glass and he was burning holes in this leaf outside and uh, as every boy should do. And uh, so, now, now, be careful about doing this up on the deck. I mean, my deck is wet, but nonetheless, you're making me nervous. So, so he, this, everything, even the altar is gone and the water is gone. You know, um, and when the people saw it, they fell on their faces. And they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And Elijah said, Take the prophets of Baal and let not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon, and he slew them there. So, so he made it pretty plain who the real God was then. And the God that answered by fire. And then that, that's exactly what the Holy Ghost is. Uh, go with me real quick over Psalm 20. You guys probably know what I'm going to read. Uh, I should have brought a Young's for this. Oh well, I, I think I know what I'm gonna, uh, what I need. But uh, um, thank you. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember. Uh, gosh, probably Christmas time or Thanksgiving. I think it was when we had the revival here, and everybody came up from Georgia, and the, the first night of the meetings. Uh, Ron read Psalm 20 out of the Youngs, and, and it was so different than what the King James says. I mean, it's similar, but so much better. And uh, so I'm just going to read the beginning here. It says, The Lord hear you in the day of trouble. Because he, and the, the Young says that He does hear you. Uh, you know, because this kind of sounds like this kind of, you know, may the Lord hear you in the day of trouble. You know, and, but, you know, this, you know, He's saying God does hear you. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That He answers. That's even better. Not only does He hear you, He answers you. Because that, and that's what He did here in uh, in Kings. He answered when Elijah called on him, and He answered with fire. So, in the name of the God of Jacob, defend you, send you help from the sanctuary, strengthen you out of Zion. Remember all your your offerings and accept your burnt sacrifice. Read me those out of the out of the Youngs, Julia. Those first three. Oh, that's right, it is, isn't it? Okay. Well, while while she's getting that, um, so oh, you got it. Okay. Yeah. Well, dang. Okay. <laughs> ah, 
I guess, yeah, if I'd been thinking, I could have done that myself on my phone, but that's okay. All right. Uh, to the overseer, Psalm of David, Jehovah doth answer thee. In a day of adversity, the name of the God of Jacob doth set thee on high. So, I mean, I like that. I mean, you know, defending you is good, but, uh, oh, perfect. Thank you. So, I like that. Nice, big, hefty book. I'm kind of a book nerd. I really like books. You know, I. You know, it's great to be able to read on your phone in the dark and stuff, but there is nothing like sitting down with a big book. You know, and if it's a paperback, don't don't curl it like that. That's terrible. I I lent somebody a book once, and it came back unrecognizable. And I mean, the cover was coming apart because they had just curled it to bits. And I, I almost wanted to tell him just keep it. <laughs> but, but you know, every time I go to, I, I see that book on my shelf, and I'm like, oh, okay, well. So, like I said, I got to take care of a book. I don't know. I'm like one of those people that like I, I look through the the bookstore and I see like the big hefty book. Like I bought this Bible because not so much that I I liked the studying helps in it or the way it was laid out in paragraphs instead of. Uh, the regular way, but I liked the cover, and I liked the heft of it. So, I guess I'm kind of a nerd. But Okay, so in Psalm 20, Jehovah doth answer thee, and in a day of adversity, the name of the God of Jacob doth set thee on high. Set you on high. I like that, because then if you have, you know, when you have a kid, and, uh, you know, they, they, you know, something's coming after them. Jeremy, when he was about two, got attacked by a raccoon, and uh, his uncle John was there to rescue him. And uh, but uh, he punted this thing across the yard, <laughs> and it came right back after him. And so, so John set him up on high. He scooped him up off the ground and held him up where the raccoon couldn't get to him. And then. Uh, Jeremy heard me tell the story a bunch of times about how John then went and got his gun and gave the raccoon blue eyes because one blew this way and one blew that way. And so he forever was telling us stories about how there was one raccoon with blue eyes and one with red eyes. Because he was two. So, so kids are great like that. But now what God does, it's like this, you know, because this thing was vicious and it was out to get him. And there was somebody there that could pick him up and just hold him above all the stuff, hold him up against everything, up above everything that would hurt him. So the God of Jacob to set thee on high and defend these good too, because there's nothing like having somebody stand up for you when you are uh, in trouble. You know, when I was in junior high, I got picked on a lot, and uh, this one guy was giving me a bunch of grief one day, and in gym class, and uh, I don't even remember why or what, but there was this other guy that he didn't like me either, but he was spoiling for a fight with this guy, and so he handed me his glasses and then jumped on this guy, and and they, they had uh, a fight, and I, I appreciated him doing that for me. I was like, well, well, thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. I... Oh, 
but I, I was under no illusions that he was, you know, his that he had an altruistic motive. I mean, he just wanted to fight the guy. So, but you know, you know, why not? I mean, people play football because they want an excuse to thump on people. So, so he doth send thy help from the sanctuary and from Zion doth support thee. He does remember all of your presence, and your burnt offering does he reduce to ashes. So, you know, we we talked about that, you know, that that sense of of it being reduced to ashes, because that's what God does, and that's, you know, and in fact, there in the in this story with Elijah, he did better. It wasn't even just ashes; there was nothing left. He consumed the altar, he consumed the trench, he consumed all of it, and that's what God does. So, you all know what I'm getting ready to say. So if you've got something in your life that that is troubling, something that you would that you despise like I did and and you you hate it and you would you want to get rid of it, never ever to see it again. You know, the the bullock didn't come back, the altar didn't come back. That stuff was gone. And that's what the fire of God does. So if you've got something that you would like to just have gone, then just like Elijah, then you can call for that fire from God and it will burn that stuff away. And and I mean, you, you guys all know what I'm talking about. You guys could probably all stand up here all day long and tell me stories about how God did this very thing in your life. And so, uh, so kind of nice to get to tell you guys about my experience if you didn't already know about it because I have the the talking stick so you kind of have to listen <laughs> but uh you know, but that's what God does and and he he's a never failing God he just he gets the stuff done so God we thank you for um, this this work of the Holy Ghost that you you do in our lives because you are indeed a consuming fire got a uh, a warmth and a comfort to us, God, and a and a terror to our enemies. And God, we we uh, appreciate that you have done these things in our life, Lord God. And I pray that no one would leave this place plagued by by something in their life, uh, some some dead thing hanging on, troubling them. God, that that the fire of God could even this day begin to 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 consume. God, sometimes your fire starts out like a just a little smolder and 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 it takes time sometimes to burn these things away and sometimes you just burn things out uh, in an instant god with with laser like precision god because you are that good at what you do and god we we pray that you would uh, get those things done in our life and bring us to exactly the place that you have ordained for us to be and God, I just pray that you would do in this place as only you can. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.